We have been in the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and in this book, last week, we started off talking about what is the purpose of the book. And the purpose of the book is to define what is the purpose of life, what is the meaning of life. If you remember, verse 2 tells us pretty quickly what Solomon, the writer and author of this book, believes. He says, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. And last week we're like, Super encouraging. Thanks, bro. Okay, I just really needed that. Imagine that, like, on a, you know how they have the motivational posters in classrooms? And it's like a cat jumping, and it's like, believe. And he's just, like, jumping, and it's a weird cat. Yeah. Or he's just hanging on by, like, hang on by a thread or whatever, by your whiskers. Moving on. Imagine if you saw a motivational poster, and it's like a, a guy, like, giving a thumbs up, and it's just like, everything is meaningless. <laughs> I don't know. When you're taking an SOL, I believe that, okay? When I'm sitting there like bubbling, bubbling, everything is meaningless, yes. But moving on. We heard that and we're like, what does he mean by that? What does the author mean? Well, here's what he meant. He meant because of time and because of death, life is like a vapor or smoke that, that rises. And, and if you reach your hand out to try and grab life, life is something that slips through your fingers. And life is something that time eventually dissipates and it evaporates into nothing. It's just a vapor. It's not almost tangible. And everything that we try to build up in life, whether it's actually buildings or whether it's a career or relationships, eventually time causes it to crumble into nothing and dust. Whatever we try to be remembered for on earth will one day be forgotten. In fact, we learn that every name, no matter how famous the name is, on earth will be forgotten, for the earth eventually will perish and die. But we learn that we find purpose and meaning, not in trying to seek pleasure in this life, or, or not in trying to have a big career, or not in trying to get a lot of money, because we can't take our money with us when we die. We find purpose and meaning through Jesus. We find purpose and meaning in knowing that loving other people, and doing well, and doing life well on earth, to honor God and give glory to Him. When we get to heaven, we get a reward in heaven for every good thing that we do. And that reward stays with us forever. And we learn that, that while it feels like there's no purpose on earth, God gives everyone a purpose, a heartbeat, a reason for living. And that reason goes beyond just this earth, and it goes into heaven. And though every life will end one day, and every person will face death, and it's a scary thought, those of us that are Christians have hope not in this life, not in our death, but in after death, that God will bring us to heaven to be with Him forever, where there will be no more crying or tears or pain anymore. And the satisfaction we couldn't get on earth, we will have perfectly in heaven. So we look forward to heaven, and we look to God, and we hope in heaven and the Lord, not on the earth. Because if we're honest, there is no hope to be had on earth. And there is no meaning apart from God, but with God we have all the meaning we need. So, we're going to read today Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it's a pretty famous chapter in Ecclesiastes. And it's about the various seasons of life. Alright, the seasons of life. So, read along with me here, verse 1. And, and you might have heard, again, these passages before. And you might have actually heard songs that are written about these. Maybe just tweaked a little bit. So, read along with me here, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun. There is a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. 
a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. It's a beautiful bit of poetry written here in the scriptures, and, and Solomon's trying to teach us a lot here. But one of the things he's trying to teach us is, is the seasons of life that we experience. And it can be parallel with the seasons that we have outside in our weather. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, but every season, when I look at it, has things that I love about it and things that I hate about it. I look at spring, and I love that all the, the trees are budding, and you see the flowers coming up. And, and for some reason, I hear that song. I, I, I can hear it in my head, but I can't sing it, where it's like, you know the song, or am I just babbling at nothing? Some of you are like, yeah, it's just like in a cartoon when somebody's waking up in the morning and stretching. And I just picture, like, you know, Bugs Bunny waking up, and then there are flowers popping up everywhere. I just picture that for some weird reason. Huh? No. Quiet. All right, moving on. But I picture that in spring. But And while there are good things about spring, like we celebrate Easter, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, there's also bad things like pollen, getting over everything, and maybe you have allergies, and you're like, yeah, spring's great. I took it. And you're just like miserably sick and nasty, have that cold or whatever. And then spring also brings um, something really uncool, which is uh, bugs come back. Mosquitoes come out and bite your flesh and suck your blood, and bees come out of nowhere, and before you know it, you're getting stung by bees. I'm actually, hey guys, real quick. Hey guys, I need you guys quiet while I'm talking. Are you cool? Okay, cool. So bees come out, and I don't know about you, but I'm allergic to bees, so literally they threaten my life. So, I mean, I carry the EpiPen everywhere. So spring brings good things and bad things, but then summer rolls around. In summer, it is warm and beautiful. You have no school to enjoy. You have lakes to jump in and rivers to run up and down. Not run up and down rivers, okay? <laughs> Swim up and down, okay? You're not Jesus. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. But catch me. I feel like Jesus, literally with Jesus would beat Michael Phelps because he'd just be like, hey, you swimming, bro? Cool. And he's just like jogging along. But anyway, moving on. Um, you know, summer is beautiful in its respect. And, and, and sometimes, though, it's so brutally hot, you can't go outside or sometimes you get really badly sunburned, like me. I'm literally pasty as all get out. And I get sunburned, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to tan. Nope, I either burn or freckle. Like, freckles just <laughs> pop up everywhere. If my body became a freckle, maybe I'd be tan, like everywhere, but it doesn't work that way. So I just keep freckling anywhere. So summer has its good things, and it has its bad things. And then fall comes around. And fall is actually my favorite time of year because I love breaking out my flannels. I have an international flannel holiday that I celebrate that probably exists, but I just celebrate mine on October 1st. I pull all my flannels out of storage, and I'm like, I will wear these until spring, and I do. So I literally wear them. I love flannels. I love uh, pumpkin pie, pumpkin spice lattes. I don't even drink coffee, and I like those things, just the smell of them. I love pumpkin gingerbread. My birthday's in October, so of course it's the best time of the year. Um, I love corn mazes. You know what I mean? I love the, the, the crispness of the air or the leaves when they're changing, and it's just beautiful. But fall also has some sad parts to it, and that starting to get a little bitter cold at night and in the morning, and, and the days get shorter, and there's less sunlight in the, in the fall. 
And everything actually, if you look at it, though there's beauty in the leaves that are changing, it's actually death that brings that beauty, which is an interesting parallel. And then comes winter, and winter's great for some reasons, like Christmas and New Year's, and it's fun, you know, when the snow falls, and you're, and you're just standing in the snow, and it's silent, it's quiet. The snow actually absorbs sound better, so when you're in the quietness of snow, and it's falling all around you, especially at night, it's just a beautiful thing. And there's that season, but also with that season comes the bitterness of the cold, and it, and it literally is sometimes miserable to be sitting in the cold, freezing, and you have icicles coming out of your nose. And, and after Christmas and New Year's, it feels like we're just basically hoping for snow days and hoping for spring, and you're just kind of hoping for it to be over. And it's not as light outside. Actually, it's the shortest time of year, and it's kind of dark. So each season has beautiful things about it and good things about it to be enjoyed, yet each season also has um, uh, things that are not good, things that are actually kind of depressing or hurtful about that season. And one of the beautiful things about it as well, though, is that it's this never-ending cycle. No matter how dark or cold the winter is, spring always comes. And that's a beautiful thought to have. That no matter how dead it looks outside, one day life will return. But yet also, though no matter how beautiful a summer is or spring is, how much life there is, winter always comes. And that life will perish away only to be renewed again. It's this beautiful cycle. And I think God's trying to teach us something through the seasons changing. And he's using a, a parallel here as he speaks to us in Ecclesiastes. Though there are various seasons and times of our life. And in each one, we need to ask, what is the right thing to do in this season? And what is God trying to teach me in this season? Let's talk first about what's the right thing to do in each season and kind of break it down a little bit here. First, let's read verse 1. It says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. Every person in this room was born, and I know that because you're in this room, okay? That's kind of how it works. Everyone is born, and, and when we're born, there's, there's both a beauty to it and a sorrow to it. There's sorrow in that if you ask your mother, she'll tell you, yeah, birthing is hard, okay? Having a baby is hard, and it's painful, but out of that pain, life is produced, and it's beautiful. I mean, you're a kid, and everything you see is new and exciting. You see light for the first time, and you hold a little baby, and there's just like a joy that comes in your heart with that new life. You see their little hands and their little feet, and some people are like, oh, I could eat that up. That's weird. Don't eat babies' feet, weirdos, okay? <laughs> Don't do that. That's cannibalistic, okay? But you see babies, and they're just beautiful, and they have this new life, and they're innocent and pure, and then also they do nasty things like go to the bathroom everywhere, and, you know, they cry nonstop, and so there's good and bad in that season, but it's this beauty that life is coming into the world, and, and hopefully out of the love from a husband and a wife comes life. Think about that. Out of love comes life. And if you exist today, you are a product of the love of God. That's why you exist. It's a beautiful thought. But, but on the other side of that, there's also a season not to live and to be born, but there's a season to die. And every person in this room will experience that season. And think about that. It, it's not something we like to think on. But all of us will experience what it is to, to die. Most of us will grow old and decay one day pass away and the light that was in our eyes will be gone and the breath in our lungs will leave them one last time. 
And there is something to be learned about who God is in both of those seasons. We learn that God is a life giver, that God produces life, and it's a beautiful, joyous thing. And yet, though God gives life, we also see death. And we can learn about God and learn in that season that that death is a consequence of sin. Everyone that sins dies, and everyone will die one day. So that tells us that every person has sinned and done evil. But we have hope in death as Christians, that that there's something beyond it, that we can have heaven eternal through Jesus Christ. So there's a a perspective to be had. There's a different feeling when you go to a baby shower, and people are like, oh, I'm so excited for your baby, it's adorable, here's a little onesie for it to wear. And then there's a different feeling when you go to a funeral, okay? Very different feel to a funeral where you, you grieve, and maybe you celebrate their life, but you're learning something different from an experience at a funeral than you might at a baby shower. Both have their place, and both have their meaning and lessons to be learned. Moving on, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance. There are certain places where certain activities or words um, are not acceptable to do. For example... If you are, um, oh, I don't know, told by a friend, a friend comes to you, and they're just very sincerely like, hey, man, like, I just want to share with you, um, my pet gerbil that I've loved for so long has passed away. That is not an acceptable time to laugh, okay? <laughs> not a cool time to be like, <laughs> your gerbil's name is gibberish? What is a weird name? Thanks. I'm going to go cry in the corner whenever you're done laughing. I'll be over here just crying. And they're going to a corner to cry, and you're laughing. Or, you know, somebody tells you, like, hey, man, I'm having a funeral. Um, and you're like, great, cool, I'm, I'm going to be there, and I'll put on the cha-cha slide. What happened this time? <laughs> That's not an acceptable time to play the cha-cha slide at a funeral, okay? Not cool, okay? Now, maybe if you're at a, a party or you're celebrating life or a wedding, weddings, it feels like every single wedding, I don't know how many weddings you guys have been to, they always play the cha-cha slide, Okay? They did it at my wedding. I'm like, no, cut it, cut, cut. But they did it anyway. And so I had to one half this time, boop, one half this time, boop. Right foot, two stomps. <laughs> if you're so bad at dancing, you have to be told what to do. The struggle's real, people, okay? Like, you, you need to work on that, okay? Well, do what I did. Just put on music in your room alone and just let it out. Let it out. Let it out. And then realize you're on stage and be embarrassed. But moving on. There's a time to dance, and it's not when you find out your friend's gerbil has died or at a funeral, Okay? Although some funerals people dance, but, but you need to recognize when are things acceptable and when are they not. And, and here it says there's a time to kill and a time to heal. And you're like, whoa, time to kill? What's going on here, okay? I thought God said do not murder. Well, we talked about this before. Murder and killing are very different things. Um, murder is to unjustly take someone's life without purpose or reason. But there are times when we need to defend. There are times when uh, people in our armed forces actually go to war to fight and again, not every war is just. I'm not saying that every war is. But there are times when the weak or oppressed are being attacked or, or your nation or your family is being threatened and you might have the need to fight and defend and even take a life of someone that is attacking or seeking harm or, or, or acting out of hatred. But there's also a time to heal, a time to forgive, a time to love people, even though they are your enemies. So there's a time for both. There's a time and a place for both. And we as Christians need to recognize in maturity what is the right time to do these things. What is an acceptable time to do these things. 
When is it right to kill and when is it right to have mercy on people? Identify in life what is the right thing to do in this situation. And back to crying and laughing. There are times where as Christians we are called to weep and to mourn and to feel sorrow. There's this wrong idea we talked a couple weeks ago about how we feel like as Christians, well, I, I'm never supposed to feel sad or hurt like, or, or have sorrow because I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to have this fake smile on my face. But actually, there are times when it's appropriate and even reasonable to weep and to cry and to mourn. And then there are times when it's acceptable to laugh. I mean, God made laughter, and he wants us to enjoy it. We've talked before also about how God made laughter, and it is funny to hear other people laugh at things that are funny. It's like a cycle. You know, some people laugh like a donkey, like, and you're just like, and then you're laughing at them, but you laugh differently, where you're the silent laugher, where you just look like you're choking on something. And you look like you're literally dying, and people are like, get behind me, and he's like, no. And then they're laughing because they think, you think they're choking, and they're laughing harder, and so they just turn redder and redder, and you're like, they're dying. Okay, this is terrible. (laughs) Call it clear, and you're just like literally worried about them dying in that moment. But there's a time to laugh, and it's okay, but there's also a time to mourn. And Solomon's saying, listen, there are going to be times in your life where you're going to cry and where you're going to laugh. Find the appropriate times, but also, also embrace those times. Think, what is God trying to teach me through laughter? We can learn about God through laughter and joy. Learn that God is a God where he wants us to experience joy. He wants us to know what it is to find satisfaction and joy in other things. And God looks at you and finds satisfaction. And I'm confident God looks at me and laughs sometimes. Like, <laughs> bear right into a pole. Here, play this again on AngelTube. And he, like, plays it over again. Like, I'm sure that, like, some of my life, the stupidest things I've done, I've been, like, watched millions of times by angels as they laugh. But moving on. Let's read here next. It says this. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. Some people believe you should never, ever, ever quit. And I'm like, yeah, you should. There are totally things you should quit. Quit smoking, okay? Quit being a loser. Quit. You know, there are things you should quit, okay? Quit being rude. Sometimes you should quit in life. And you're like, wow, that's super motivational. I can't see that on a poster. Sometimes quit. <laughs> like, you know, that doesn't seem like it on a poster either. But sometimes, actually, you should quit. Things that are bad or harmful or wrong. But then there are other times where you should never ever yield, never give up, hold firm to what is right. We as Christians need to identify when should I stop and when should I never give up. For both have their place and their time. And in the same token, there are times where we need to embrace. We need to go to people that are hurting and embrace them and love them. And there are other times where maybe somebody is uh, a, a poor friend, maybe a poor influence, and you actually need to turn away and walk away. Not be rude to them in any way, but, but maybe there's a time where it's time to walk away from that friendship. Moving on, it says that there is a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. I love this one. There are some times where it's just better to be quiet. It's just better, like, now, maybe? <laughs> there's just times when it's better to be quiet. For example, I've told this story before. Um, I had a friend who um, lost his uncle, and his uncle passed away uh, in college. He was my roommate. So I went into to our room. I sat down on the couch. He had the lights out. He was on his bed. And he rolled over, saw I was there, and kind of rolled back over. And 
I kind of just sat there for 20 minutes, about 30 minutes. I, I didn't say anything. I was just there in the room, and I just wanted to, to sit with him in his hurt and to just know him to know that I was there. After a while, he rolled over, and he just looked at me, and he's like, Hey, Barrett, thank you. And then we talked a little bit, but, but for those couple minutes, my silence actually said more. It actually helped that I was just there, and I wasn't trying to make it all better with a Bible version. I wasn't trying to, to speak into his life. He knew that it was pretty terrible what was going on, and he just, he just needed somebody that was there. And sometimes God speaks to other people through us. God reminds other people that he loves them through us loving them. He reminds us that he's there by them being there. And so sometimes being quiet is the right thing to do. Other times, we are to speak. Other times, our silence is even a sin. To, to see something that is wrong and to stay silent. To know the truth in the midst of lies and yet to hold on to our truth and not share it. Sometimes you need to be bold. Let people feel the weight of your words and stand up and say, this is what is right. And I don't care what you say. I don't care that I have fear in my heart for what I'm saying. I will speak the truth. And it carries weight to it. Other times we need to speak up for those that are being persecuted or bullied or mocked. We need to speak into the darkness of the lies and into the darkness of confusion. We carry the truth of God with us. Finally, there is a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. You read that and you're like, wait, a time for hate? Like, I thought we were, like, never supposed to hate. Like, that's literally, like, one of the things, like, don't hate, love your enemies, all that. But here's the thing. Um, God actually hates. I'm like, what, God hates? What? What's going on here? God hates sin. He hates that which is wrong and evil in this world. He hates it because it separates his children from him. He hates it because it, it hurts and inflicts us where we will die one day and where we feel pain on this earth. The only reason we feel pain on this earth is because of sin. So therefore, he looks at sin, what is wrong and evil, and he goes, I hate this. Now, I'm not saying that, that we are to look at people that sin and hate them. Or even to look at ourselves when we sin and hate ourselves. What I am saying is this. We as Christians need to look that which is evil in our own hearts and say, this is wrong and I hate it and I want nothing to do with it. I want to cast it aside and be done with it. I want to fight against that which I hate, which is the evil and the sin that is within myself. And also hate the evil and the sin that is in this world. But we are to love other people and forgive them. Embrace them and seek to heal the wounds that have been inflicted by sin or the hardships of this life. So we are to carry both in our repertoire. We're supposed to carry hatred and love and use both at the appropriate time. And by the Holy Spirit, hopefully we can discern one of the right times and the wrong times to use both of those weapons, both of those emotions even. So it's not only, though, when are we supposed to, to use all of these different things and, and what are the seasons of life where we should feel joy and sorrow? Because even in one day, you can experience like half of these things, like joy, sorrow, laughter, hardship, like all of these things, you can feel those in just a morning of spilling your OJ and then finding out you don't have a test today because there's snow. And then, uh, you know, going into the snow and getting frostbite. Like all of those emotions can be happening just in one morning. But I want to back up for a minute and just look at the seasons of life from a broader perspective. I'm going to share, hopefully briefly with you guys, the seasons of my life in a very generic way. 
and, and hopefully you can relate. And I, I thought, like, should I even share them? It's my life. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, if that's too self-centered, but I, I hope that it's helpful to you, and I'm not trying to, to bring attention to myself in this. Um, the first season of life that kind of comes to mind would be, like, when you're just a little kid. Like, your first memories. Like, like being a kid and being like, oh, <laughs> I can't bite Dad's face with my teeth, or he will get angry at me, okay? And, you're, you know, you're learning these things. Like, oh, that's a light. I want to touch the light. Ooh, it's warm. That's a stove. I burn my hand. And you're learning these things as you go, right? And you're learning, oh, this is called a little brother. He cries a lot, okay? <laughs> like, a lot. Apparently, when I flick him, he cries, too. And you're learning with every step, but... But there are beautiful things about that season and sad things about that season. There are beautiful things like, hey, when you're a kid, you don't have much worries. When you're in elementary school, you know, you're worried about like, oh, man, I got to get home in time for Scooby-Doo, okay? I got to make sure I get home in time to watch my favorite TV show. I'm not joking. One of the biggest stresses in my life when I was a kid, especially before school, was, okay, 10.30, you'd be in front of the TV, 10.30 a.m., and watch Scooby-Doo. That was my favorite show when I was a kid. So I had to be there to watch Scooby-Doo. That was like my biggest stress. Like, Mom, I have a really pressing appointment, okay? Let's hurry up mac and cheese time here, okay? Hurry it up. I got, I got an appointment to get to. I have my briefcase. Go there. Sit down. All right, I'm here for the meeting. <laughs> Scooby. And I was excited about that. And you don't worry about paying bills or, or schoolwork or anything. You're just a kid. You just have fun. But then there are the, the bad parts about that season, too. Because you're a kid, you have to be forced into nap time, which you realize was actually a good thing now, okay? You're like, hey, I would take nap time. If that was an eight-day block period, I would take it, okay? Please, even over gym, let's go. Moving on. Y you think, some of you are like, nope, okay, moving on. But when you're a kid, everything's new and exciting and fresh, but also you don't have responsibilities. You can't be left alone. You have to be babysat, and, and you can't make your own food. Somebody makes it for you, and you have to be forced into your Brussels sprouts and whatever. Like, you, you don't have the freedom as much. And sometimes we're little kids, and we look at older kids, like in middle school, and like, man, I, I can't wait till I'm in middle school. That'll be great. And we look to the future thinking, then my life will be good. But every season has good things and bad things. Then I got to middle school, and there were good things about it. I was able to stay home alone uh, or babysit my brothers, and then I'm like, the door shut the first time I babysat, and I'm like, I'm the boss. <laughs> what up, okay? I hold the TV remote, okay? I'll tell mom and dad you were bad. <laughs> it never worked, though. I never really enjoyed it that much. But anyway, I babysit. I remember when I was in middle school, and I learned how to cook macaroni and cheese. And I'm like, I can eat food whenever I want. Me make fire. Mm, and I turn on the stove. Me eat mac and cheese. Mm, and I could eat it. I could put extra salt in it. Like, literally, I just grind salt. I love salt. It's a bad thing. I just grind salt in it, too. It was like literally a mountain of salt and stir it in. And I, I like my mac and cheese with a lot of milk. It's like soupy. It's weird. My wife makes fun of me. She's like, that's gross. You're just slurping soup. And I'm like, what? And there's like one noodle and like a puddle of milk and cheese. I don't know. You, you think I'm weird. I love it. Anyway, but I was in middle school. I could make it however I wanted. I remember thinking, I have my own locker. I can decorate it however I want. I put Dallas Cowboys stickers everywhere. And the haters hated like you did, and I didn't care. I remember I was in middle school, and I got to choose between Spanish and uh, French. Well, not really. My mom made me choose French. But still, I, I, I was like, I have some power. I'm like, what I'm going to learn. This is kind of cool. I like that. But with those good things in that season came bad things. Suddenly, I'm, I'm taking SOLs, and I'm like, man, standardized tests. This is, this is challenging. I, I, I actually got to study for this stuff. And, and I have to, you know, I had a responsibility. I had to get myself ready in the morning. My parents didn't get me ready. And, and suddenly, I had to worry about my grades for the first time ever. 
felt like my grades actually mattered. And, and then there was the awkwardness of like relationships with people felt different because suddenly girls like guys and guys like girls. And I'm like, what in the world? Like <laughs> girls will come up to me and be like, hey, you want a date? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why are my arms sweating? What's going on? I, I was like nervous. Like, I don't know what that means, okay? There was confusion going on in chaos. And the, the boys, we'd have our little conferences like, okay, so girls like us now. What do we do? And like, we, we try to figure it out. We, we had a couple's table in sixth grade where just the couples sat because we were kind of afraid of the couples. We're like, we don't understand what's going on. And then I remember, like, my friend sat there, and I'm like, Johnny! And I'm, like, losing him, and I'm like, what's going on? And it was confusing, but then you get to eighth grade, and you're like, oh, I remember when we worried about dating, and you're, you, got, you know you have it figured out, it feels like, at least. And, and I remember being the shortest kid in sixth grade and the tallest kid in eighth grade, and I'm like, what happened? How did I just get so tall? And I'm like looking down on people, and suddenly I'm shaving my two, two hairs on my chin, and I'm like, I have hair on my chin. What in the it was literally this change, and I remember thinking, man, this is confusing and hard and awkward, and I feel pressure, but high school, you know, high school would be different, and it was, but it also came with its good and with its bad. The good was I was super excited when I got a license. First thing I did, I got my car. I've told this before. I got my car. I drove to McDonald's. I got a large milkshake and fries. And this is why I was excited. I didn't have anyone else in the car to share it with. See, in my family, mom will go to McDonald's. Oh, hey, let's get out of this and that. And everybody doesn't get their own milkshake because my mom's like, it's too expensive. So what would happen is, okay, we get one milkshake and we'd have to pass it around. And my siblings are gross, okay? My, my brother would be the straw nibbler where he'd like, just like gnaw on the straw till it's like nothing. And you can't even suck the milkshake through it. I'm bitter to this day, obviously. And, and then the fries, like I'd get like four fries, and then I'd have to share them with my siblings, and they're putting their gross hands in them. I just sat in the parking lot, though, and I drank my milkshake and ate my fries. And I'm like, I love being in high school. Okay, this is great. <laughs> then the next thing, you won't even relate to this, but I went to Blockbuster after that. I'm like, it was like, it was, it was like a physical place for Netflix where you have to go and actually get your movie I thought it was fun, because I'd look at, like, really terrible movies, and I'm like, this looks so dumb. I can't believe it. The Ginger Dead Man? Like, what? And I, I like, laugh at the movies, you know, and, and I picked one and went home. But there was freedom in that. I could watch more movies than I was able to when I was a kid. I could drive. I, I liked the freedom to just go and hang with my friends or go to parties, and it was just it was fun. But, but then came stress. I wasn't taking SOLs. SOLs were just nothing to me at that point. I was taking SATs that would matter on my college acceptance. I was putting out scholarship offers and trying to find money to finance college. I had to figure out what my major would be and how that would influence the college that I went to. I, I had to figure out whether I'd ever see my friends again because now I'm going off to college and they're all going across the country. So there was good things to high school and bad things to high school. College was similar in that I had even more freedom. I get to college. Let me tell you something about college. College, you don't have parents knocking on your door to wake you up for class. Apparently, you just got to roll out of bed and go yourself. Okay, you can sleep through class and be like, yeah, no, you can fail class now because mom won't drag you out of bed if you don't pay attention. And then I realized, wow, on Sundays, if my mom, you know, parents aren't here to wake me up, I don't, I don't have to go to church. No one, no one will make me go to church. I have to figure out whether I want to go to church myself. I had to figure out what I believed and, and figure out, like, do I actually believe this? And I started at middle school, really, figuring out, like, what do I actually believe for myself? Not what my parents believe. What do I believe? And it mattered, my opinion in college and in my major. But there was stress about finding a job. But then summer would come, and I enjoyed summer. But then I realized that, wow, I, I can't just 
not work in the summer. I have to have a job or I have to have an internship. And then my summers were gone. And I don't think we realize, you guys, summer is a beautiful thing. Like, ah, it's so short. You have a summer, though. Embrace that. But I didn't enjoy it as much when I was a kid. I actually reached a place where I'm like, man, when does school start again? I miss my friends. And then school would start. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Okay, this is terrible. Bring back summer. But instead of looking to the next thing, what if we just embrace the thing that's right in front of us? Because I would leave college, and I now have friends that reach out to me. And I remember when, like, man, I've seen you right as I can't wait to graduate. And now those same friends are telling me, man, Barry, I, I miss college so much. I miss my friends. I miss the freedom. I miss, like, not having a job or bills to pay. Like, I miss it. When you leave college, then suddenly you're hopefully doing this thing called adulting. Well, you're paying taxes and bills. I never worried once when I was five years old about what health insurance was, and now I'm worried about my, my, you know, what my HOA of my home department will say, and I'm, I'm worried about these big things like politics and voting, and I'm like, I never cared about that when I was in middle school. I just cared about what was for lunch in the cafeteria, and now I have all this responsibility that keeps building up, and, and now I'm married. And don't get me wrong, again, marriage is a season of life, and it, it's a beautiful season. I love marriage, but it also comes with its challenges and struggles. When we get in a fight, Catherine and I, I can't just be like, well, I'm leaving. It's my house, okay? I'm stuck. Like, I'm there. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I can't leave. And you have to figure it out. And it's a beautiful thing and a hard thing. Here's what I'm trying to communicate to you guys. One day all of us will be old. Hopefully, if we live to be old. And we'll be old looking back at our life. It'll be in the hindsight. And we'll think, man, I... I miss when I was young and had freedom and could run around and jump and have joy. But, but when we're young, we think, man, I, I, I can't wait till I'm old and I have a lot of money and I can do whatever I want. You see, there's a lack of contentment in the moment that we're in, the season of life that we're in. It's spring right now. You can look at that two ways. You can either dread spring and be like, oh, I just can't wait till summer because I hate the allergies and all that. Or you can say spring is a beautiful thing where life is coming back and it's getting warmer again. The days are getting longer. What will your perspective be? When summer comes, you can complain about summer or look at the beautiful things that are in summer and learn what is God trying to teach me in this season. You're in middle school right now. I dare you to look at middle school and say, what is God trying to teach me in this season of life? What is the mystery that is found and sometimes the misery? What are the things that I can find joy in and what are the things I'll never experience again and can only have now? I want you to embrace those things. Find joy in the season of life that you're in. And don't look forward and think, well, it'll get better then, or then I'll be happy. Or look back and say, man, then I was happy. Look at right now and say, what can I learn right now? Let me explain. God, God gives us these seasons. The seasons of life, the flow of life, He gives them to you and to me. And in each one, he has something to teach you. In each season of life, there's something new, something mysterious, something to be discovered, something to be cherished. Don't miss that. The one consistent thing is this. In every season of life, you're going to change. Your experiences will change. You might have parents in one season. In one season, you might lose your parents. You might be a child, and one day you will have children. But in every season, God will be with you. He does not change. 
There's a song that says, though the seasons change, His love remains. God is the same as He is in the winter as He is in the summer. He is the same when you weep as when you laugh. He does not change. And He has some mystery, some beauty to enjoy, some mystery to be discovered in every season of your life. Find it. You're in middle school right now. What is He teaching you? What can be discovered right now about who you are, about who God is, about what plan He has for your life? Embrace each season, including the ones that hurt, including the ones that you're confused in. Say, God, what do you have to teach me? I'm yours. What do you want me to do in this season? I'm yours. What beauty is to be found here and what mystery can I walk through with you? Find God in every season of life. Let's pray. God, I pray that you give us the clarity to recognize that there is a time for everything and that we'd know when it was the right time to tear down and the right time to build up, when it was the right time to cry and to laugh, when it's appropriate to dance and sing or when it's appropriate to mourn and weep. Might your Holy Spirit give us that clarity and that maturity to see what's right in every season, but Lord, also, might you give us a perspective to embrace the day that we're in, to take every ounce of joy that can be squeezed out of every moment, every ounce of beauty that can be seen in every image that we see. Might we embrace this life, look at the present, look back to the past and be encouraged by what you've done and look to the future with hope in you, but embrace the present and live for you Learn what you have to teach us and grow in every season. Lord, I love these students and I just pray that they would recognize these middle school years are so important. That though they might be challenging or awkward times, they have such value and worth. Help them to recognize that, Lord, and grow in you. We love you, God. And it's in your name, your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said...